Hello, and welcome to the Fantasy Fantasia podcast, brought to you by Tall Tale Theatre Collective, a podcast where a bunch of theatre nerds gather around and play various tabletop role-playing games, such as Dungeons & Dragons, Monster Hearts, Monster of the Week, Call of Cthulhu, and more. This podcast was only made possible by the Arts, Culture, and Heritage Fund in Windsor, Ontario, so big thanks to them. My name is Avery Malosh, and I will be your Dungeon Master for tonight's episode of Dungeons & Dragons Legend of the Silver Flame. The air was thick and choking from the heat of the scorched earth he laid upon. He lifts his bleeding head from the sludgy and sinking mud of the battlefield, his eyes straining to see. Fire reflected in his gaze from the chasms of torn earth that revealed the hell-fueled fires from deep in the abyss. The Great War, as it would become to known, was at its climax, its fate resting on the small shoulders of a human boy. The boy brought himself to his feet. His brothers were barely holding on. Humans, elves, Dwarves, dragonborn, orcs, halflings, genasi, and lizard folk all fighting together, barely keeping the horrors of the abyss at bay. The demons, with black, blood dripped weapons thrust through their wiry, pale bodies, their faces featureless and flesh patched. The boy looks up. The sun was a shrinking sliver behind the moon. The solar eclipse was about to reach its apex. He knew he had to act now. He looks down to the glowing crystal shard he holds in his hand and looks across the swampy field to the flame. The silver flame casting harsh light across the battlefield. He begins to run. As he runs closer, the sun shrinks more, the battlefield grows darker, the flame grows harsher, until the sun's consumed entirely. The silver flame casting long, sharp shadows across the armies, accentuating the bloody battle. Immediately, the earth shakes. The boy runs harder. Behind him, the earth opens up, and it slowly crawls out of the crevasse. The boy does not dare turn around. He could hear the sounds of the battle cease as all on both sides stood in fearsome awe of what they gazed upon. The boy was close. Seven glowing shards floating around the flame. His was the final one and the ritual would be complete. The indescribable sound of the demon's roar cuts through the air. The rage of war was about to be unleashed. The boy was about to reach the flame. A demonic woman, with her tall body covered in spiked chains and a veil of barbed wire emerges from the side, sprinting to cut the boy off. He extends the shard to the flame. The woman cracks her whip. Silence. Hundreds of thousands of years passed. The shards were distributed to the various races throughout the world for protection so that the horrors of the abyss may never return. The world was at peace for a time. Through various historical events, the strong ties once formed to face great evil had been broken in one way or another. The land became a mosaic of kingdoms as each found their own place in isolation away from the others. 
This is how it has been for many millennia. This is the world where our adventure begins. This is Valentia. Now, you are in central Valendia. It is the center of the continent where humans made their kingdoms. Three, in fact. Each of you, for your own reasons, find yourself in Isenport, where the solar festival is taking place. The festival marks a long-standing tradition amongst the three human kingdoms, where every 370 years or so, on the day of a solar eclipse, the ancient Kyber Shard is passed on to one of the neighboring kingdoms to be held on to until the next solar eclipse. The entire city has been preparing for literally months for this event, and today is finally the day. People have traveled from far and wide to Isenport to watch the exchange occur between them and the city of Bidens. The cobblestone streets are full of people, mostly human, but there are races of all kinds, including elves, dwarves, halflings, and even a few dragonborn. The streets are decorated with red and white banners, the colors of Isenport and Bidens, respectfully. Temporary lamps line the streets as well, with volunteers starting to light them, indicating that the ceremony is going to start soon. The smells of pop-up food shops cloud the streets, fresh baked bread, pastries, warm cookies, and meats. There's performers of all kinds dotting the streets, and we're talking bands, dancers, illusionists, and, and more. So, so many different kinds. Lots of fireworks going on. It's, it's a really fun, joyous, festive time. The center of the festival is built around the port, um, which is right next to the castle. Um, the castle is on the edge of the Great Lake. It's the largest lake in Valentia, and that's where the ceremonial exchange is going to be taking place, and the King of Bidens will sail away with the shard. Here in the festival center is a stage for the ceremony, and then there's a large open space with many citizens passing through, and a few performers throughout this area, and on its perimeter, under a small tent, we have a gnome preparing for his performance. Now, Eric, please yes. introduce us to who you are and uh, what we see. So yes, uh, I will be playing a gnome bard by the name of Velvet Smooth Chords. <laughs> and Velvet Smooth Chords has... <laughs> Velvet Smooth Chords has been somewhat of a sensation back in the day. And he is just standing, kind of pacing a little bit, going through his scales. And as he walks... There's kind of a shiny little goblet, and he checks out his reflection in the goblet. And what they would see as he looks at his reflection is a olive-skinned, three-foot-three gnome with jet-black hair and just some tasteful white age lines in the hair, kind of dotting it throughout. And these... Big eyes that you can tell were once brown, but have gone kind of a silvery bright hue. And as he's going by, he's just doing his, um, yes, so he's doing his scales as he's looking at himself, checking himself out, and just kind of very nonchalantly just smelling the air and skipping through his little tent. So one of the volunteers working at the festival comes along with a parchment. He seems to be writing things down furiously. He, he seems a little distraught because of the amount of events that are going on here but as a coordinator he's barely keeping up he approaches you and he says 
All right, Mr. Smoothcords, are you ready to perform? Aye, that I am, my good fellow. Beautiful. I'm sorry, we're running a little bit behind, but uh, we had an issue going on in the food court section. A fight uh, broke out, and we had to clean it up very quickly. But should be ready to go uh, whenever you're ready. Many of these festivals have these delays. Do not you worry. It happens all the time. I should know. I have done... A number of festivals such as this. <laughs> oh, I know, Mr. Smoothcords. Back in the day when you were with your companion Bones, I actually saw one of your shows. It was very impressive. Oh. Good. Will he be joining us today? No. He is, um... Won't be joining us. Oh. I I actually had written down on my paper that it was uh, Noman Bones performing. Is Was there a mistake there? Uh... Yep, just, uh, just, just the gnome. The, the bones is just the, well, just, we the know, we, just the gnome. We don't have time for uh, more things going wrong today, so I'll say it's fine. Just uh, do your thing. I, I, he, I uh, can just... assure you, I, I'm better. <laughs> In fact, I, I, I'm liberated. <laughs> right. And he just walks away. Hmm. You have a pretty decent crowd gathered in this area. They, they're not necessarily paying attention to you, but there are many people around. Okay. So, um, is there anything kind of separating me from the crowd right now? Yeah, so you have your tent, and then there's a small wooden pedestal stage um, that is raises you about half a foot off the ground. It's not the stages you're used to performing on, but it's what they offered you. <laughs> I'm definitely peeking through the curtain every chance that I can get. Just just kind of making sure that the crowd is, is an acceptable size. So right now, you look through the curtain and you see that there is about 13 people gathered around who are actually watching the stage, sitting on the cobblestone or standing around waiting for you to emerge. And the rest of the people are either passerbyers or people having a conversation. Okay, gnome, he says to himself as he, he looks at himself inside the reflection of the goblet. All right, Velvet, you got this. Just remember, you do what you do best. You go out there and you slay those goddamn hearts. Yeah. And he kind of psychs himself up and... Okay, and he, he just charges out, like, th hands thrown, just looking at the audience with his head up as if expecting a mighty roar. <laughs> so uh you walk out and the few people who were interested and were watching they start to clap they're like yay um <laughs> thank that's you. about it though it's a thank very you. yeah <laughs> he he actually speaks louder than than the cheering like he's trying to thank you <laughs> thank no no um it's definitely not hard <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's gonna act a little bit like it no no please silence everyone in the back I, can i no, stop cheering it's okay <laughs> oh they <laughs> they immediately stop and they kind of just start looking at each other and they have kind of disgusted looks on their face a few of them good day ice and port how are you all doing sing us a song well, now don't be hasty. <laughs> you know that they say music is like lovemaking. You must take your time, right? No? <laughs> okay. The just... children in the crowd, their jaws drop. Just me then. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he, 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 tunes his, he tunes his lyre and he puts it under his neck and he says, this is something new that I've been working on. And he strikes like a really sad chord. 
All right, so roll performance for me. Amazing. <laughs> First roll. Uh, that is a 16. 16, okay. So um, I guess just to add, ask some questions about your performance. Um, yes. How do you want this performance to go? So he's been trying to introduce his new music for a while. And... You know, uh, people really want the old stuff, so he's really trying to push this new stuff. And and this is a sad song that he calls "Skeletons in the Closet," and <laughs> <laughs> and he's really trying to push this this new brand of of you know, gnome and bones is gone. Now we're just velvet. Uh, and his new series of collection of songs called "Velvety Smooth." is something that he's, he's really trying to push. So so I, I'm really trying to make it this somber, dark, mysterious piece, trying to, you know, mature in my career. And with a roll of 16, you put on a fantastic performance as you normally, up to the standard that you have set for yourself, your reputation. And you actually hear other people who are walking by stop and they start to be drawn nearer to you. And the area, probably 20 feet all around you, the festival kind of falls silent as they genuinely lend an ear to your performance. And they're hearing those somber tones emanating from your voice. And it's a really beautiful performance. And they really take a liking to your new stuff. They're they're super fans of your old. And they're not turned off by what you're playing right now at all. May I give you the ending? Just, just like the last little bit of the song? Oh yeah. Cool. Oh yeah. So he he like hits this, you know, the the kind of the climax of the song has has come and gone and it's kind of slowing it down and then you just hear almost as if he's found this acoustic sweet spot and he's just whispering almost but it seems to be amplified just a little bit. And that is why the skeletons will never walk again and there is dead silence for about five seconds following that final note as people like you drew the breath out of them in that performance you see a boy in the front shed a single tear as he's looking at you with his big blue eyes and he says i want to be a musician one day and immediately the crowd starts roaring for you. You've gathered at least 40 people around by the end of this as well. So you tripled your numbers just about. And he, they he love stands what up. you're doing. <laughs> he, he stands up and just takes like the biggest sweeping bow that his head almost hits the floor. He goes down so low. <laughs> but you maintain the bow. Yeah, and he kind of <laughs> sw- sweeps back up and holding his, his, his leer in great triumph and begins to pass around a hat. Pass around a hat? Okay. So based off that performance, let me just make a roll for you here. I'm going to say that you earned 30 silver. 30 silver. Sounds good. I go, thank you, thank you, thank you. Fans of all ages, remember to stay magical, believe in the power of music, and let's have ourselves one hell of a solar festival, shall we? <laughs> and they roar again, clapping for you. <laughs> oh, remember, tell my friends about my song cycle, Velvety Smooth, coming to a town near you. <laughs> and he kind of like backs away, walking backwards, still waving at the audience, through back through the curtain in his tent. You back through the curtain, and... Um... In your little, you made yourself a little corner for you. That's your sort of, your actor's mirror with candlelights on either side to do your makeup and whatnot for your performance. 
you see that um, the little boy actually made his way around and is starting to kind of rummage through your stuff and playing with it. Excuse me there. Oh, Mr. Smooth Chords, you, you are amazing. Oh, well, th thank you, thank you. I, I do, in fact, get that all the time. <laughs> I want to be just like you one day. Really, really? What's your singing range, young lad? I don't know. I've never tried. How about you give me a good old <clears throat> Let's see how much effort I'm going to put in this here. Okay. <laughs> Um, Velvet's eyes like twitch for a second, <laughs> and and he takes a deep breath and says, "You got chops, kid. I think you're really going somewhere. Now, what can I do you for? What are you doing back here? Where are your parents? What's that?" And he points to your jar of fingernails. Oh, uh, he, he kind of like ru <laughs> runs to it and gets between him and the jar of fingernails and says, "Well, um, perhaps." One day, you can discuss with your mommy and daddy what happens when attachment becomes too strong to an individual, and they send you fingernails. A look of horror sort of crosses his face, and he says, um, okay, if that's what being a musician is about, and he, he starts to back away slowly, waving it, to you. It's really a double-edged sword, kid. I tell you, you spend your life wanting entire jars of fingernails, and then when you get them, you think, this is kind of weird, you know? <laughs> really wasn't <laughs> worth it, you know? It's definitely crossed my mind, and he's, like, saying as he's shaking the jar, like, as he's talking, and they're just, like, <laughs> flailing all yeah, just over the chest. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you know, take care, the magic of okay <laughs> <laughs> all right and on that note not too far away down another street there's an older man walking down and there are a group of children gathered around him and pulling at his clothes and they're saying do some magic for us mr wizard do some magic for us the wizard turns to address the kids so kim Tell us yes. a bit about who you are and what we see hello everyone <laughs> my name is Sai Argatha. And I am a male wizard, as, as, as you mentioned. I am a human. And I'm, I'm an older gentleman, so I've got white hair, although I used to have copper-colored hair, so I got a little bit of a, a yellowy, orange tinge to it. And my features, I've got kind of a round face with a little bit of a bulbous nose. And uh, I always dress in my, my wizard robes, which are sort of a, an indigo color. So it's sort of a nice dark blue with a little shift of purple that, that mm. reflects very nicely in the light, in the, in the morning light. Nice. And, uh, and I have uh, a little bit of gold decoration around the collar that looks like some elven script, which is an elven blessing. And uh, yeah, uh, I, I hold a staff, which is uh, looks kind of much like a walking stick, but it's sort of made out of uh, walnut wood and uh, kind of nicely polished, although it's sort of got like a little knobby end at the top. And I, I, I don't wear any hat. I don't have a wizard hat. Uh, because I kept on leaving it in the taverns. I, every time I would go, I'm, 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 I, I like to drink my mead, and I would often forget it. So I just decided that I, I was not going to be wearing my hat anymore. So, so yeah. So I'm, I'm uh, surrounded by these by these children. And... Yeah, and uh, they're begging you to do some magic for them. 
Yes, well, I, I decided, <laughs> well, just to entertain them, I think I'm going to do a couple of uh, prestidigitation spells here. Cool. So I, I sort of uh, kind of draw my hand over my other hand, kind of in a, in a very dramatic fashion, and then all of a sudden I kind of do like a little dramatic movement, and um, I end up with like a little dancing elf what looks like a little little tiny dancing elf uh-huh. and um and he starts to kind of i, I kind of jiggle it around so that he kind of looks like he's dancing on my hand so i can entertain these little kids like a little puppet or it's moving on its own yeah yeah just kind of a little kind of a little puppet yeah. oh that's cool and like yeah. they're immediately amazing <gasps> sharp intakes of breath and they start clapping around you the six of them or so and then i wave my hand again and it disappears <gasps> whoa <laughs> and then one kid pipes up. He's like, Mr. Argatha, I hear that you love dragons. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, I have spent my life studying dragons. Do you like dragons? Yeah, I love their big teeth and their glaring eyes. I oh. want to be a dragon one day. <laughs> well, maybe one day you will be. Well, let me tell you, there are many types of dragons. Some of them are good. Some of them not so good, and I have run into both types. What's the most dangerous one you've seen? Oh, let me tell you. I have seen a mean, vicious red dragon. He, he was this tall, and I kind of make a gesture that uh, it shows that he is just really, really, really tall. <laughs> and, uh, and he had sharp, sharp metal teeth, and he could breathe fire all around. Did he breathe fire at you? He did. He did. And I just jumped out right in time. <gasps> if you look very closely here on my leg, you can see this scar of where, where he uh, got me with his little fire breath. And all the kids start chanting, show me, show me, show <laughs> oh. me. Okay, okay. <laughs> so I kind of lift my wizard robes a bit and, and I show him like this, this little scar, which really happened when I was cooking, trying to cook something and, and it fell and the grease kind of burned my skin. <laughs> Roll perception for me as you're doing this. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, that would be a... That's an 11. 11. So as you're showing the scar, you see um, all the kids, they bend down and start looking as close as they can and kind of prodding it and like analyzing it. But you see uh, a couple of the kids actually broke off from the group in the middle of your dragon talk and they have these small wooden weapons that they're playing with and they're kind of messing with other folks that are walking throughout the streets. And you see them go up to this group of uh, people that are all wearing um, these black robes with their hoods up. And it's nothing too suspicious seeming um, just from their attire. Um, he goes to pretend to uh, stab one of them, and the one member of that group immediately turns and grabs the kid's sword and breaks it and throws it to the ground and turns back to his group to continue talking. Oh. That... Hey there! Hey now! Can he hear me? Uh, would, would you like to hood? walk over? Yes, I would. Okay, so <laughs> you walk over immediately, and the one member turns to you, and you see that it's a human, and uh, he ha- he's a bit of an older man. He probably matches your age, but he seems a lot more weathered. The world has been much less forgiving to this guy, and uh, mm-hmm. he has, like, sagging cheeks, a scar along his chin, and a sort of scrunched-up nose that um, seems permanently scowling. And he mm. looks to you and says, What's your problem? I just saw you break that that child's sword. What business have you breaking a toy like that? Oh, I'm sorry. 
He assaulted me, so I decided to do something about it. <laughs> assaulted you? A child with a wooden sword? Come now. Guess I'm not the playful type. And he turns back to his group. So then I, I reach down for the broken sword, and I um, cast Mending on it. And oh, it nice. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> and I hand it back to the kid and go, here you go. So this, this kid was crying, and he was kind of sitting on the ground, and his friend was trying to comfort him and offer him his sword. But as you offer the sword to him, you see uh, his sort of reddened eyes. Um, he sniffs and like rubs his nose, and he looks up, and immediately this big toothy smile grows across his face, and he gently <laughs> grabs the sword and he looks up to you and he just says thank you thank you and i kind of ruffle his head you know i kind of <laughs> tossle his, his hair on his head and it's like it didn't even happen he starts running off with his friend again and they're playing and laughing <laughs> the uh the group that you approached um they, they started to move off they're moving toward the port where the, the main ceremony is going to be taking place and you notice that uh many people are starting to do so because the world around you is starting to darken more and more as the solar eclipse is starting to come into its full effect ah okay and is the um the, where the ceremony is going to happen is that is, is there just like one main stage like would i have noticed that velvet has just finished performing or is that a different stage uh he's on a different stage um different so stage. you wouldn't okay. notice he's performing right. so i wouldn't notice that okay. but uh, you do know that the main ceremony is about to start and that's like the big shebang of this whole festival. oh yes can't miss that perfect so you start making your way along with the rest of the crowd as uh, excited muttering starts to grow throughout is there is there a mead tent on the way? Oh yeah, there's mead tents ever. There's every kind of alcohol you could want to find. Ah, <laughs> perfect. So I stop off in a mead tent. Okay, so you stop into this mead tent, and um, many people are starting to leave, and even a couple of the workers are starting to wrap up just uh, to take a break for the actual ceremony. But one of the workers looks to you and says, "Oh, can I get you something?" Oh, hello, new friend. Yes, I desire some mead. Do you have some? I'm in a bit of a rush, so I'll tell you what, this one's just on the house, okay? Oh, excellent, and excellent. He, Thank you, Kant. He very quickly pours you one, pours, pours, pours. There's a lot of phases on top. Uh, he wasn't really taking his time with this mug, but uh, he kind of slides it across this wooden bar to you. And he says, all right, bottoms up, see you at the ceremony. Okay. Thank you, sir. And a glug, 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 glug. <laughs> <laughs> now, yes. um, as you finish your drink, pretty much nobody's left in this meat tent. I don't know if there's anything you want to do about that, but... Uh, uh, nope, I think I'm going to head over to the main stage. Hey, a uh, responsible drinker. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I've, I've, I've had many years of drinking mead, and uh, I'm, I'm watching my intake. Good. <laughs> All right. So, front row at the main part of the festival in that uh, port area, having already chosen their spot, we see a halfling. A halfling not from central Valendia, who traveled some time to come see the festival, but for reasons of great importance that are personal to her. So Steph, can we get an introduction of who you are and uh, what we see? Yes, I'm playing Brie Underbow, who's a ghostwise halfling, and she's a cleric. And she's about three and a half feet tall. She has olive skin and long, straight, gray hair. She looks like she's about 40 years old in human years and she has green eyes. She is wearing a cream colored blouse with a brown skirt and a forest green cloak over it and she has a 
silver necklace on with a circular pendant. And if people were to look closely at the pendant, they would see it's made out of a series of interconnecting stars. This is really Bree's first time being around this many people. So she is very on edge right now, constantly looking around at the people moving around. She's very cautious of her space, trying to put her bag beside her to keep a little bit of space between her and the other people. Yeah, you're here for a specific reason. So you've been in this area specifically for quite some time and you've noticed something set you off a little bit earlier on when this man in a black uh, cloak that covered his body and uh, his hood up, he joined you right at the forefront of the audience in front of this main stage, but about, 10 or so feet away and he just approached walked up he didn't even really acknowledge you at all and he just kneeled down so he's on his knees and uh he's been there for about 30 minutes now and he has not moved he's kind of has his hands together in front of him and uh roll perception for me okay that's a 15 15 so you look over to this man who kind of uh came a little like just on the edge of your comfort zone, I would say, if uh, you're really on edge about being around this many people. So as you kind of go to pick up your bags and move them a little further away to get more of your space, you notice that he, he brings his hands up in front of him, and you notice that he's kind of muttering something under his breath, and his sleeve falls down for a moment, and you see that on his arm there is this tattoo, and the tattoo is kind of... um on his wrist, palm side up, and you see that it's an eye, but in the eye is a wound up chain whip that makes the pupil rather than just the normal um, eyeball pupil. It's small and subtle, but uh, it's just something that catches your interest um, since you've actually never seen anything like that before, and it seems to be more than just for art. I'm very intrigued by it, and I'm looking around to see if I notice anyone else who looks like him around the area. Uh, you actually do. Yeah, they're um, in this larger area. It's subtle, but there are people wearing the sort of same black cloak. Um, they're dispersed kind of everywhere. There's small groups or just people looking like this uh, walking alone. But um, you watch for some time and you kind of notice that they don't seem to be doing anything specific. They seem to be trying to just keep themselves busy for now or they're pretending to enjoy their time. Okay. I am going to speak telepathically to the man kneeling in front of me. Okay. And I'm going to ask him, what business do you and your compatriots have here? So when you speak telepathically, does the receiver of your message, do they, do they have a general sense of who's speaking and like where that person is? It doesn't specify. It says, it all says is they can understand me if we share a common language. Okay. In that case, um, immediately when a voice rings in his head, you actually, he doesn't, you don't get an answer. It seems like his mind is incredibly busy. This really makes her nervous and she is going to gather all her belongings closer to her and try to look for a seat where she may be able to have the easiest escape. Easiest escape? So you see two options. You can either 
move to further to the left, which would be closer to the port where there are various uh, ships already docked. There's one dock that is left open for the King of Violence to make his arrival, but there are many sort of escapes through that way. Uh, other than that, it would be toward the very back away from the stage that would lead into town. She is going to move further back. Further back, sure. Uh, so you move back further away from this man, and uh, he just remains at that front, uh, kneeling. And she's just constantly watching all of the men that she sees in the black robes. Yeah, they uh, they continue to walk this area, and in this moment, the sky and the world kind of starts to get darker, as you notice the solar eclipse is starting to grow in its darkness. And you see as well that the King of Bidens is actually making his arrival. His giant flagship pulls into the dock, and a bunch of people run to gather toward the ship, watching this majestic ship pull in, and the king make his appearance and walk down the ramp with all his soldiers around. And the only people that don't run to the dock are the hooded figures. I'm going to stay towards the back and keep an eye on them. And on that note then, finally, it begins to get darker as the sun becomes more covered in the solar eclipse. While walking down the street, a gruff voice whispers in a girl's head, And the girl gives a small nod, acknowledging this voice in her head. And Carla, hmm. introduce us to your character and uh, what we see. Yeah, yeah, so you see a young girl. She's, oh, I wouldn't say young, she's she's 20. She's a 20 year old woman. And uh, her name is Lena Everlay. She is dressed in a gray traveling cloak that looks like it's seen quite a bit of, of, of wear and tear. And she has the hood up, and spilling out from the hood in the front are these big, long, blonde curls. And she's kind of got her hair kind of a little bit in front of her face. She's very pretty, but comically strapped to her back that looks like it's too large for her to wield or let alone carry is a great axe. (laughs) And a couple hand axes are thrown in there, and uh, she's just walking. And like you said, she kind of nods at the voice telling her to, to go towards the port. And you certainly ceremony. get some looks as people are walking with you. Uh, nothing too direct or too intense. More so just people acknowledging the fact that this great axe is almost like Final Fantasy style of just like <laughs> oversized for a human being, um, almost like on the verge oh, of... Totally. Yeah. yeah. And as you're walking, you look briefly down an alleyway as it starts to grow darker and uh, in the light that's left over you see that there are some human men and women and they're not black robe they're just citizens who have actually further into the alley cornered an elven man and from where you're at and the hubbub of the festival you can't hear what they're saying but what you do see is them kind of roughing him up and pushing him and laughing with each other and then finally you see them uh, push this elven man to the ground lena looks towards the port and then just kind of mutters to herself one second and she like she starts walking down the hallway or the alleyway sorry towards this group of people as you begin walking closer to the group the sounds of their laughter and that uh, their insults toward the selva man uh, begin to echo through this alleyway and they're just yelling uh, these racial slurs at him like Haha, knife ears knife ear what are you doing in ice and poor you don't belong here and they're uh one of them goes to kick him in the gut and the man's just like please everyone's allowed to Ugh! Hey! The group turns to you and they see 
the <laughs> in the light that's left over this sort of silhouette of a girl with a giant axe on her head and they all just kind of look at each other there's about four of them and they just kind of give a, a a smaller like <laughs> what can we help you with lady <clears throat> the festival is starting you should uh probably head towards it and leave this man alone Oh, come on. We were just having a little bit of fun with the knife here, weren't we? And another one goes to kick him. Lena grabs uh, <laughs> a javelin that's kind of strapped to uh, easy access kind of around her her uh, her waist. They're kind of shorter. They're not super long. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're all black. And she just takes it and <laughs> she just chucks it at the one who's going to, to kick him. She wants to, like, get him in the leg. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, um... Uh, roll to attack then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh god damn. That's, that's only an eight. I got a two plus six. Oh. An eight? Yep. Okay, let me let me just bring up the stats of a uh <laughs> oh like a citizen. Um, First attack. Off to a good start. <laughs> Carla, you it's solved his bullying puzzle. How did you know? <laughs> I did it! <laughs> <laughs> Commoner, that's the word. That's what it's listed under. So you rolled an eight? Yep, yep, it did. Alright, so you whip this black javelin through the alleyway. You can hear it whizzing by as it just slams into the alleyway wall right beside this guy, just missing the top of his leg and just missing the elven man laying on the ground as well. Immediately, all their laughter stops and they look to you. Can you make an intimidation roll for me? Yeah. Oh, so much better. Oh, that's a 18. 18. So they look to you and they, they start saying, we're, we're, we're Like start. I said, the festival is starting. You should probably get to the port. We were, we were just having some fun. And then they immediately start running toward you, keeping to the edges of the alleyway as best as they can. And they just sprint off. She feels this pull in her stomach and she just kind of like takes a deep breath in and then looks towards the, the Alvin man and just kind of with her hair kind of still in front of her face, she just whispers. She's like, you, you okay? Yes. Thank you. I I really appreciate that. I I just I ju- I just came to see the festival. I, you know, it's it's quite sad to think that there are still some people who believe in the olden ideologies of the isolation. Some people are stupid. My name is Galley, and uh, he attempts to pull the javelin out of the wall, and he, and he grabs it, and uh, he goes to hand it to you. Being careful not to actually touch him, she she takes the javelin back and just. Thanks. I'm glad you're okay. Th- thank you. I, I here. I I want you to have this. And he, he produces this oil lamp and he pulls out a small match and he lights it. And uh, instead of a nice orange glow, it actually glows blue. And he says, um, "I made it for the festival when it gets darker, but uh, I wanted you to have it as thanks." Uh, I, it's not necessary. I I was just happy to. No, to really, help. it's a lot of fun. And it, it's um. It'll glow blue for about an hour or so. It is, uh, it is pretty cool. And she kind of just takes it from him and, and looks at the blue light and just kind of nods to him again and says, Thanks, I, I appreciate it. As you're holding the lamp, you hear the voice in your head grow a little sharp. Abort. And the blue light sort of flickers wider for a moment as it grows and then subsides. Oh <laughs> She kind of like nods her head to herself and she says, ah, I, I, I gotta go, but thank you. 
again and she just quickly without even letting him react just kind of turns and, and starts walking very he, he, fast he raises a finger but all that can be seen is the blue light as you go away and he's left in the darkness the city grows darker as the sun shrinks smaller the oil lanterns begin creating halos of warm orange light through the streets as everyone begins making their way to the port Bree and uh, Velvet as well, you saw the flagship of the Kingdom of Biden sail into the port and the King of Biden made his entrance and he's now made it up onto the stage and uh, the King of Ice and Port greeted him in a warm embrace and uh, they just begin chatting on the stage as the soldiers gather around. Now you see um, this stage is also connected to the castle of Ice and Port and there's a large uh, stone staircase leading to the front entranceway of this castle and the doors open up and the crowd starts to go silent as they've heard that this is the moment that they're supposed to be waiting for. This um, entourage of soldiers comes down carrying this case made of marble so it takes like many soldiers to carry this thing, it's very heavy, and they bring it down and onto the stage and place it down. The King of Ice and Port points to the sky. I hope you have all enjoyed the festivities. It has been 364 years since the last solar eclipse. 364 years since the last exchange. And today, we celebrate the strength, democracy, and perseverance of humankind. I present to you the ancient Kyber Shard. And the king reaches down to the marble chest and he opens it. Now, at this point, the kings on stage are even barely visible in the dark. Except to those who have dark vision, uh, you, you see the gray outlines of everything that has happened as the sun finally reaches this full eclipse. He opens the chest, and immediately a bright, brilliant blue light fulminates from the chest. It seems to reach into the darkness of the sky, illuminating this beautiful blue halo in the area. He reaches in and pulls out the Kyber Shard. And uh, I guess you, you can picture this thing, uh, this thing's shape as kind of like the diamond thing from The Sims. <laughs> but uh, this like beautiful, beautiful blue that um, almost seems to have this illusion of being like endlessly deep. It's like an ocean of blue. Now, Lena, upon seeing the shard, the inside of the back of your head suddenly itches as if something is clawing at you, as if there's this energy that um that is being heightened from theo as you see has she shard. has she felt sorry avery has she felt this before this uh no not you've okay it's more like this presence at the back of your head is strengthened and you feel like his energy has picked up and you suddenly realize like the shard the shard that is the reason i'm here okay sai can you roll perception for me sure can that is a 19. 19. So, as you look around, you notice that the whole crowd begins cheering for this shard and like uh, gasps come from the crowd. But as people bring up their hands to clap, you notice all the hooded figures that you saw before. There's so many more of them. There's at least 30 or 40 throughout the crowd. As you see, they don't begin to clap, but they actually begin reaching into their own cloaks. Mm. Bree, can you roll perception for me? Okay. 16. 16. 
So you're looking through the crowd, and since you're a little shorter, you're seeing through people, and you see that the man uh, is still on his knees kneeling. And this time he's sort of moving in a circle on his knees, and he's holding something up in his hands. And you can't exactly see what it is from here, but it's something that's sort of glinting with light. You can see his mouth moving as he's fully chanting some sort of words that you can't see, that you can't hear from as far away as you are. I'm going to start moving closer to him. You start moving closer to him. And I'm going to try to see if I can overhear what he's saying and potentially get the um, item that he's holding and knock it out of his hands. So you move closer and closer, and just as you're about to reach, you hear him chanting some sort of language that uh, you actually don't understand. Do you speak abyssal? No. Okay, so you hear him chanting these words that you uh, can't seem to understand whatsoever. And just as you're about uh, 15 feet away from him, making through the crowd, he extends his arm out to either side and claps his hands together and throws this object in his hand toward the stage. You see the object fly through the air, land on the stage, and then suddenly it explodes in this green light that doesn't explode in the sense of like this damage of force emanating from it but it explodes with light as this light grows and grows and grows in the swirling green energy until suddenly behind the kings 20 feet wide there's this sickly green portal of swirling energy and the crowd suddenly falls silent and this green is almost overtaking the strength of the blue light from the shard in the king of biden's hand And for a moment, the kings and everyone is stunned. Out of the portal steps a woman, or at least you think a woman, standing 12 feet tall, her body wrapped in black iron chains with spikes that pierce her pale, battle-scarred skin, and she wears a veil of barbed wire over her face. And she just stands there for a moment. Breaking from their stupor, the guards suddenly pour in, circling around her, taking positions, yelling at each other. In the silence, the King of Biden speaks up, barely finding his voice. Who are you? To which the figure responds by pulling out a spiked chain whip in one hand, and a black long sword with a skull at the hilt, dripping with a green substance. She pulls her whip back and says, I am the beginning of the end. And she cracks it into the middle of the group of guards. And that group explodes with a burst of fire and is sent flying in all separate directions. Immediately, the crowd starts to panic. All the numerous cloaked individuals suddenly pull out weapons and they just begin attacking civilians. Attacking civilians to their left, their right, just slaughtering them seemingly without reason. It's a full-on massacre. Holy shit. Oh Oh my god. And I need everyone to roll initiative for me. (laughs) Oh! Yes! Looking to immerse your players with some quality ambience? Then check out the YouTube channel Sword Coast Soundscapes, where they have over 100 different ambient soundscapes, some of which you can hear in this podcast. 
Or, if you're looking for some music to set the tone of that fantasy capital, or raise the stakes of combat, consider supporting Will Savino's Patreon named Music D20, where he is constantly dropping new tracks for your tabletop games. Hey there! Thanks for listening. Tall Tale Theatre Collective is proud to announce that we are expanding our podcast network to now feature two programs. We will continue to present our horror series, Night Terrors. Welcome to a world of thrills, threats, and terrors. Night Terrors is an anthology radio play podcast that will bring you face-to-face with your nightmares. Come listen, if you dare. Introducing our newest program, Fantasy Fantasia, which includes two RPG podcast campaigns. The first is Dungeons & Dragons, Legend of the Silver Flame. Experience laughs, suspense, and triumph with a motley crew of adventurers who could be the last hope against great evil, long thought to be vanquished. The second is Monster Hearts Undergrad. Follow the tale of romance, mystery, desire, and murder as an unlikely bunch of mostly pubescent monsters navigate their social, academic, and supernatural lives at Oakhurst College. Listeners even get the chance to weigh in on the action of both campaigns. For more, visit our website at www.talltaletheater.com. Talltale Theater Collective. Grow with us.